4: And welcome to Bacon Night, Jay Bankley, Chris Unocero, taking you up till seven thirty. Royals West Coast baseball action against San Francisco. Chris, last night's game was over by like eleven forty-five. I know you're going to be settled in here for the
5: for the long haul till the wee hours in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, since I work from home, I'm gonna be working during that time period.
4: And you know what the uh, the extra rules had to have been your favorite, you know putting that guy on second. Oh yeah,
5: dude! I so that way you don't so have those seventeen inning marathons. Dude, no, yeah. The <laughs> what was it the the game against the Cardinals was that oh. seventeen or was that thirteen? No, it was. Uh, I think was it thirteen? Yeah, I think it was thirteen. I just and remember Vern got
4: done right when Fesco was coming in.
5: Yeah, and I remember. Being like, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that game because that's the game from hell, and and that's the one where you're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rethink this whole producing Royals games thing.
4: I think our Golden Tee machine was still working at that point, so it, it was. It gave it was. Vern something to do.
5: Oh yeah, it was. So Vern, yeah, Vern, you know, calls in and you know we'll put him on hold so we can listen to the game, and then he goes over to Golden Tee. He just <laughs> does a does a few eighteen round eighteen whole rounds out there to kill some time during the rain delay. Would you say Golden Tee is it in your top three arcade games of all time? I mean, I don't really play Golden Tee, so no. I because I don't know what thing. the quali-
4: I don't know what the qualified as an arcade game or a I, video yeah, game I mean, unless would, you want to combine them. I both. would say it's an
5: arcade game because like there's I don't there's no Golden Tee on console. It's an arcade game. My favorite video game of all time is Tech Mobile. Yeah, I think you've established it was kind it,
4: of the yeah. fr- it was kind of the first football game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, there's other good ones, like Galaga that was out there, Frogger. But this, to me, it was, as far as the actual stand-up
5: games, Golden Tee. I, I mean, I think, man, my favorite, we're just talking arcade games, it's Street Fighter 2. My, uh, my cousins had the arcade cabinet for Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighter. So I used to play that all the time when I would go over there, and they had it in their garage, and they would kick my ass at it because I was terrible. I was terrible at video games when I was a little kid, but if we're just talking about game overall, it's Madden. Like I'm a boss. I know, I know Colin who produced for me last night uh, when I was training him for Royals games, he was talking about his, his Madden prowess. And uh, I very much think I'm the King of Madden here at 610. And I would, I would love to, to challenge anyone here that thinks that they're better than me. Cause so I, I think I'm the Madden King at 610. I've never played you. Never played you. Madden's up there. in The other one, EA
4: sports, 2004 college football. That game on Xbox, I put so many hours into that. It's almost embarrassing.
5: 04 or 2014?
4: 2004. Okay.
5: Yeah, because I had 20. The last one they made was 2014. Yeah, I bought I up to that game, too. But 2004, I that one. 2004 was kind of the heyday of the
4: game. You know what I'm saying? And I would bought that college football uh, game, and you play it, and then you, you're, of course, recruit your own players, so the guys that played, they're yeah, gone yeah, anyway because you're recruiting. Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to tell me hours I spent on the. Like, I was a grown man
5: at that point too. I still have I still have uh, uh, 2014, and I'll still play it occasionally. And like you know, I'm I'm, I'm very good at recruiting. I usually have the top class for for Florida, and I uh, I'm very dominant. I think I've won like four national championships on there since I started playing it again a couple years ago. So yeah, I'm, I would I'm take a team like Toledo. In the Mac or take
4: like Wyoming <laughs> okay, of course and get invited to <laughs> another conference, the, you know?
5: Yeah, get invited to the
4: Big 12 or something. Yeah, no, of course you would take a Mac. Receivers team. only 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds. Yeah. My lineman, ridiculously big. <laughs> and I'd always put a safety at outside linebacker to get to the quarterback because they had the speed. Oh, so you would you would, you would would blitz him a lot? That's I, I, all I did. <laughs> That's all you do is blitz? I blitzed every time. <laughs> he, I'd have my guy I controlled being there, but it would always be a safety yeah. I would move to linebacker. Wow, that's a
5: that's an interesting that's an interesting personnel choice. I don't know if I it's I like would the NFL is now. It's like
4: the NFL is now. Think about the day the linebackers 6'2", 6'3", 250 pounds. Yeah, that's done. You know, now. like your Pepper Johnson types? Yeah, that's done now. Yeah, it's the hybrid safety linebacker roles like Isaiah Simmons.
5: Yeah, now you got Jeremy guys like, Chin, like like Nick Bolton, who's who would normally traditionally be an undersized middle linebacker, but like now he's actually a, a very good linebacker in the NFL. But if this were 20 years ago, Bolton wouldn't have gotten a chance in the league because he's only like six feet tall. But the thing is, you can even go smaller than that the way it is now because now linebackers can play
4: safety as well. Right. Really one of the guys that kind of started this, although he when he got to the NFL, got bigger, was Brian Urlacher. He was a safety in New Mexico.
5: He was really good. So he was really good. Yeah. He was and he, he could, he could play all over the field. And that's the reason why, like, I remember watching him playing for New Mexico. And I was like, yeah, this kid's good. When he gets to the league, he's going to be great. Cause he can do a lot of things that, that most guys at his, with, at his position cannot do. And but, he could play that hybrid
4: role. Well, the nickel linebacker, it's becoming so important to have that speed and also guys that can cover like covering in the NFL's end all be all. It's like right. Willie gay, Willie gay, for example, for the chiefs was the top coverage linebacker that came out in the draft when he came out I mean it was not a great year of linebackers but he was the top coverage linebacker that's the important stuff can you cover are you just a two down do we have to take you out on third down and can you stay in because that's the question of Leo Chanel they drafted because he's got to work on you know the, some of the past you know covered skills but he's definitely a two down linebacker at this point but the Sky's limb with this guy he's so athletic his athletic profile was off the charts. At the combine, like he's ridiculous. See that, and I were talking between four and five when I joined him on Tuesdays, and we were talking about the sports abyss, the sports abyss that exists here in two days when mandatory minicamp's done. Because it, it felt normal today, and I'll get into it. Like McCole Hardman talked, Juju talked, Juan Thornhill talked, George Karloftis talked, and tomorrow Chiefs players will talk, and Andy Reid will probably talk on Thursday. Then silence, silence until training camp, the dreaded abyss. And it's not like those years, Chris, where you say, well, the Royals are in it. That'll keep us rolling until training camp. That'll keep us going. And the funny thing is, you know, since I've been at 610, I think 2012, something like that, and it's always chiefs, 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 chiefs when we were at Uncle D's, that's where we used to do, do the show from all the time at training camp. But it's always Chiefs, 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 except for two years, fourteen and fifteen, and then there was a lot more. I would say, well, fifteen for sure. It was like eighty percent Royals talk
5: and twenty percent Chiefs. Yeah, but then it went right back to the Chiefs. Even twenty sixteen too, because I did a show from Uncle D's in twenty sixteen, um, right around the time that like they were they were getting ready to move or trying to move Wade. Uh, that was a time where it was heavy Royals too because the Royals were still in contention that year even though they ended up not making the playoffs that year so even in 2016 yeah I, I would agree with you very heavy on the Royals at that time too do you consider it the sports abyss
4: because really the weakest time in sports is all-star break that week
5: which, that's that's the sports abyss w- too which me. some conferences
4: totally understand respect like the SEC will typically have its media days during the All-star break why so it's first topic on SportsCenter. What Nick Saban, right, you know, right. and this year the SEC Media Day is gonna be insane because of the whole Jimbo and Nick thing. And
5: it, 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 <laughs> it, are they gonna bring in a boxing ring and just have those guys go at it for ten rounds in the middle of the in the middle of Media Day?
4: They, remember when I used to go down to those SEC Media Days yes. and, and Big Twelve. Yes, they, they would send one Missouri join the SEC. The six ten would send me down the SEC Media Days. And I never forget because I got to be there when Johnny Manziel was at A and M and he got kicked out of the Manning Passing Academy. Remember that? For some reason, they. Kicked I did him. not
5: know he got kicked out yeah, of the yeah, Passing yeah, yeah, Academy. He did.
4: <laughs> and anyway, he had never talked. Anybody was talking that day. I'll never forget how big that lobby was, you know, around Johnny Manziel because that was going to be the first time he talked. But that's always you. You want to talk about sports passion? Go to that thing. Go to that thing right in the heart of Alabama. With Tuscaloosa just down the road and the passion for college sports that exists in that town, it's unreal. But I, I don't look at it like this this year. I told you that, yeah, it is kind of a dull time between now and when training camp starts. And, yes, I've been guilty of watching USFL. I was watching a game between Pittsburgh and Philly, Chris, a couple days ago. There was
5: literally probably 10 fans. I mean, that's <laughs> Like, I've seen a few games like that. Like nothing screams
4: football than Philadelphia and Pittsburgh playing in Birmingham, Alabama.
5: Right. Right. I, I, here's, here's my thing. I, I do agree with you. Like after mini camp, there really isn't a whole lot on the, on the, unless you're like a diehard baseball fan, there isn't a whole lot to really kind of pay attention to, especially once the NBA finals are done this week. Like, not going to be a whole lot to pay attention to as far as sports goes. So, like, I certainly people in our position as as sports media, as people who have to talk about it, we got to find some ways to, to – this is the most challenging time of the year for us because we don't have as much to talk about because it's easy for us to talk. Like, football season is super easy for us. But once we get out of football season and we get past all the big off-season events – this right here is, is the abyss time for people like us. But see, though, this is where I disagree. This is
4: where I disagree. This year is a different year. This year is a different year because the hope is on the horizon. Chris, I made my annual pilgrimage to Barnes & Noble to buy my college football mags the other day. And I know what you might be thinking. Can't you get all this stuff online? The answer is yes. Yes, I could. But there's something old school about taking a magazine out to the porch with the beer and reading a football magazine. I know that sounds silly to
5: some, Chris. Especially
4: you still, you younger still read, generations. You
5: still read the football magazines? <laughs> you don't look at those? <laughs> Not anymore. I used to when I was a kid. But it's right there in front of you. Like, you sit there and look
4: at it forever online. And I, that, but I you can, get to get the magazine. You can look at team-by-team breakdowns. Like, I still, still find value in college football magazines. I
5: don't because I can go on the internet and do that now.
4: Yeah, no, but it's all there. You don't have to sit there and search around for it. it's all there in your magazine.
5: Yeah, and but... you can sit
4: there on your couch, your porch. Your... You can do that. You can.
5: I got an iPad. Your toilet. I mean, I don't.
4: I, I got an iPad. I could do all those things in all well, those I do, places. I, too. I do too. I can carry around a computer and do it myself or look on your phone. But there's something about having that that magazine in front of you. But here's why I'm excited. The thought of the Chiefs in training camp has me really excited about this season. It wasn't that I was, it wasn't was excited when they were running it back, but you kind of knew what to expect. It was the same team. It was essentially the same team when they were running it back-to-back Super Bowls. But this year, to me, there's been so much crap talked nationally, you know, and just nonsense. Like what, what Tyreek was talking about, Tua being more accurate. It is cutthroat out there now, man. If you're not winning a Super Bowl and MVP every year, there's a certain segment of the national media that says you suck. If you're not doing it every single time, they will question and they will put people above certain people that haven't accomplished anything. You know,
5: I actually think that's a good point because normally during this time of year, we don't have a lot to talk about football-wise, but because of the outlandish takes that have surfaced from guys like Tyreek Hill or... There's all every week. It seems like there's somebody in the media like Dan Orlovsky or whoever. Who's, well, this is list season coming up here, right? Yeah, the top 100 is coming out. That, that all, yeah, This is list season. Next month. The next month and a
4: half is list season.
5: Yeah, it's, it's list season and like prediction season. Like once we like a month from now, uh, once we get ready for training camp, that's going to be prediction season. That's going to be, you know, division winners and who you got in the Super Bowl season. And it, so it's like things like that certainly are, are going to be the big point. But now is the time. It's kind of like hot take season where it's like, oh, okay, there's not a whole lot going on. So let me get this stupid take off for a little bit of attention for a couple days and then and then we'll we'll go to the next stupid take that comes out. So that's kind of what's happening right now, because normally we wouldn't be talking in in depth about how many targets Tyreek Hill got last season for the Chiefs. But because of a stupid take that he said on his podcast, it becomes an actual good talking point to have on sports radio because we really don't have anything else to talk about.
4: So. Oh, just like the Mahomes doubters that are out there. And yeah, you know, people saying Josh Allen's, but there's just so many of these question marks can be answered. Mahomes has a chance to destroy basically every top quarterback in the NFL next year, except for Aaron Rodgers. He gets a shot at Tom. He gets to play Josh Allen again. He gets Justin Herbert twice, gets Russell Wilson twice, I mean, he has a chance to go out there and just make statement after statement. This is a statement season for the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, to shut people the
5: hell up. I'll I'll, I'll rally off a hot take here before we go to the break.
4: Okay. If,
5: if, if Patrick Mahomes wins the Super Bowl this year and is like great doing it, a la like 2018, 2019, 2020, if he does that, wins the Super Bowl, and obviously, like the driving force, which I mean, obviously he would be. Probably the single best season we've seen from a quarterback ever, considering the competition he had to go through to get there.
4: Yeah. Would you see a list of greatest quarterback seasons ever? They had Mahomes, yeah. 5,000 yard, 50 touchdowns,
5: yeah. eighth. <laughs> you consider the competition that he has to face in his own division, in his conference, and obviously in the Super Bowl, because more than likely he's going to be a great quarterback he faces in the Super Bowl. If he wins the Super Bowl next year, if they win the Super Bowl next year, I, I think you put him number one as far as the greatest seasons for a quarterback ever because that would be a hell of a of an accomplishment for Patrick Mahomes to do that next season. We'll get into
4: why I think this is going to be the uh, the off season to remember and some ridiculous takes on the text line. They are definitely woke up at this time of night. Next.
3: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
4: Welcome back to Bank at Night, Bankley, Chris Osoro. Richard Sherman has a new job. When you think of Richard Sherman, was it him and Legion of Boom or is it more Russell Wilson? responsible for a Super Bowl ring
5: let's ride it sounds like a first take question <laughs> just ask it just, just I mean let's that's that's obvious it's obviously legion of boom
4: I mean the legion of boom come on, out obviously legion you know Ron of Parker was a proud member of the uh,
5: legion of boom was he a proud member or was he just legion of boom adjacent I think he was there and they gave, I think he was there gave but he was a membership not, a, card. He's not a member of, their, of the like do we consider do we consider Demarcus Robinson a member of the legion of zoom or was he just there for the ride?
4: I mean, those safeties, Kim chancellor and Earl Thomas. Oh man.
5: Yeah. No, I, yeah. I don't like, what was it? Um, who was the corner opposite? Sherman was it? Brandon Browner? Like, the, they, is they, they, he a part of the several, legion of but, boom? Cause I don't consider him a part of the legion of boom. I think it's just Sherman. That was the one spot. Thomas and, and, and cam. That was the
4: one spot that kind of rotated around, um, Cause they had Jeremy Lane. I see Marcus Bradley McDougald was part of that for a while. Uh Shaq Griffin. They were there though. They weren't part of the group. Brandon Browner was the other corner, you're thinking of.
5: That's what I'm saying. Browner, yeah. Like, Byron He's Maxwell a... was another one. Yeah, Maxwell's another one. Like, those are those guys card carrying members of the Legion of Boom? Because I don't think they were. I just think they were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody talks about Brandon Browner's contribution to the, the legion of boom when, when he was playing there. He was just, oh, yeah, he's the other corner opposite Sherman. Richard Sherman's new job is working for NFL on Prime Video.
4: So Amazon continues to collect talent and a lot of talent. So Richard Sherman now a member of that. The text line says this. Um, <laughs> it says this town is corny with sports coverage. To someone texting a sports radio show.
5: It's a it's a Yankees fan, though. That's why.
4: I know. He says, what are you talking about? Michael K. to entertain you with winning Yankees baseball. No one wants to hear NFL or SEC football. Yeah, when he did that, I blocked
1: him. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
5: slash recommend today. I saw that. I I blocked him from the tax line. Here's the thing.
4: In this town... Do people want to hear NFL or stupid Yankees baseball?
5: Nobody wants no, Who's won a World Series here.
4: more recently? The Royals of the Yankees. <laughs> and I know Lifetime, blah, blah, blah. Yankees have done it. <laughs> you seen how small that stadium they play in? Talking about, talking about uh, uh,
5: new Yankee stadium?
4: Nicky Lopez would have seven home oh, runs yeah. There. Oh,
5: yeah. Yeah. Dimensions-wise, yeah. I've, I thought you were talking about, like, like the actual size of the stadium. Dimensions-wise, yes. Bobby Wood would probably have 30. <laughs> Bobby, yeah, Bobby would have 30 now. MJ Melendez would just tear up. Yeah, MJ would just rip that, sh- that stadium apart, man. No, no one in Kansas City cares about Yankees baseball. They just don't. No, nah, it's just a Yankees fan trying to flex. But I mean,
4: the 70s, the Royals and Yankees used to be your big rivals, but no, it's a sport.
5: Because if they're like a New York sports fan, they can't really like brag about anything else but the Yankees because your football team suck. Your other baseball team sucks. Uh you know, – i mean, they, the Rangers. You could do the Rangers. I think the Rangers are doing good in in the uh, in the uh, NHL playoffs. Not anymore. They're done. Oh, they're done now. Okay, we're yeah, down I, to the Lightning going for three in a row against the Lanch. Yeah, because I saw that they were up two one last week. Lightning when th- I was here. It's Lightning Avalanche. Wow, man! Lightning going for three in a row. Bad day to be. This in aerosports Sports man. pretty damn good, huh? Knicks suck. I mean. Mm-hmm. Tough being a New York sports fan right now. Yeah, they, they get everything right, but wins. Um, somebody we, asked you who you got on the text line. Somebody asked who you got in the U.S. Open. <laughs> I'll take Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> okay, do you are how much? How many minutes of the U.S. Open are you going to watch? Probably quite a bit of it. Are you actually going to watch a I lot watch of a it? Lot, I watch
4: a lot of golf. Actually. Do you? Yeah.
5: Wow, I didn't know that Bink was a golf degenerate, too. I, I like golf. Mom
4: likes it a ton. I usually go visit her on Sunday afternoons. We always watch golf together. I guess always... Of the Royals game on one TV, and we'll watch golf on the other.
5: Somebody in the Jay's she's like Southland. one of the biggest golf fans you'll ever see. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, she loves it. Somebody in the Jay Southland Toast Service text line said most Yankees fans are Cowboys fans, though. Yeah, that is that is true, and they're also Duke basketball fans as well. And then they l- will like pick a couple of their NFL teams probably to Tampa Bay lay. Lightning fans
4: too, right now. Yeah,
5: right, right now, <laughs> right now, until they find the next good hockey team to root for. Yeah, that is a, that is a good point. I have an uncle who is a Cowboys fan. And is a fan of Duke basketball and bandwagons with like the Buccaneers and whatnot. And so yeah, I believe me, I, I know they, those guys, uh, they they all root for the the most notable teams in the respective. See, sport. and that's not fun. Lakers fans too. Yeah, somebody said that's Lakers fans fun. too. That's true.
4: And that's why that's why I try to tell Royals fans. I, I know it's lean right now. And I know the losses are piling up, and I know they're twenty games under five hundred. But unless you go for the through the valleys, the peaks don't mean as much. I'll remember. I was in Chicago with Vern when the Royals clinched a playoff uh, berth in 2014. People didn't give a damn. It was going to be a wild card game. The Royals were in the postseason. You should have heard. Well, he probably did. You were probably I was watching night. the game. I was watching probably, the game that but night. But you, you, the calls, I mean, the people were ecstatic. I mean, you know, they were beside themselves. The Royals are in the postseason. People were crying on but the you on know what? the on the Because on the they had line. gone through 100 lost seasons. If the Royals were always relevant at that time, it wouldn't have meant as much. Like, it is fun. When you suck for the longest time and all of a sudden you're good, it's like if the Detroit Lions... Like, got together and made a run in the postseason. Can you imagine that town? A team a team like the Lions that never won in the postseason actually made a postseason run. That's
5: being a fan, man. When you go through the bad stuff and then you taste the good stuff. That's why I, I have a lot of respect for the Royals fans that been there. And done that for like the last twenty years. Like, if you watch the Buddy Bell years of of the Royals, you deserve what happened with with the the World Series years of fourteen and fifteen. You deserve it because I remember watching those games, and it felt like there was no hope with the team whatsoever. And then you get to twenty fourteen, and they make the playoffs, and you're like, oh, well, that's nice, we made the playoffs. And then they they win that game in comeback fashion. And all of a sudden, they go into that series against the Angels, and they get those first two wins, and you're like, oh, they might have a chance here. It's like the Bengals last year. They had
4: four wins the year before. then All of a sudden, they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that is a team that, is, that has been watching bad football for a very long time. Then they get a taste of the good life, and it felt better because they, they went through the um, valleys. I have no idea what this text means from the 816, Chris. Bank found the perfect way to piss off my wife. Okay, what'd you do? Three days of nothing but protein shakes, water, and beer. The look on her eyes when I said I lost seven pounds was a thing of beauty.
5: Clearly, this this guy's been trying to stick it to his wife for a while. Yeah, but he he had
4: protein shakes, water, and beer. I guess the beer part, the fact that he
5: lost weight (laughs) drinking beer.
4: Hats off to you, sir. Yeah,
5: they tell you to stop drinking alcohol. Hats off to you. you Hats off to you. Your wife's like, hey, that's basically an all-liquid diet. It's probably not that healthy. Yeah. Probably want to, like, eat some real food, too. He was probably hungry as hell doing all that. Pro Football Focus listed the uh,
4: highest scoring drive percentage of the last two seasons. So, top 10 scoring drive percentage since 2020, including playoffs. And last year, the Chiefs were more points per drive than anybody in the NFL. The Bills, on the other hand, were fewest points per drive in the NFL. And we saw what happens when that collided. 13 seconds of the Grim Reaper
5: taking the ball down. Gets, Can we still call him the Grim Reaper after that Bengals game? No, but it's fun. It's fun. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, man, we can't use that nickname. Oh, God.
4: <laughs> if they would have beat the Bengals
5: and yes. won the Super Bowl. Yes,
4: absolutely. There'd, Forever. Be, there'd be more Grim Reaper costumes in this town. Yeah. Grim Reaper tattoos, restaurants. T-shirts. Yes. Oh. Yes. But Chiefs are one, Bills are two, Packers three, Box four. This is the reason why I'm excited. This is the reason why I'm excited because we don't know what this offense is going to bring. It's going to be the wild card. Defenses think they know what the Chiefs are about, and they think they can go back to film in 19 and 20 and 21 and try to guess what the Chiefs are doing. But they have different receivers running different type of routes in practice mvs it was the deep route guy, the nine route, the vertical right and green route guy in Green Bay, running intermediate routes. This is going to be a fun team to watch. This is going to be an exciting offense because you don't know what to expect. Last year, you knew what to expect. Year before, you knew what to expect. So did defenses. They said, you know what, we we slow down Travis Kelsey here. We'll try to slow down Tyreek Hill, and we'll put two safeties and stop the Chiefs. But when you don't know what the Chiefs are going to do, It's like playing poker with that guy that's going to go all in or bluff you all the time because you don't know what he's going to do. You have no idea. Very inconsistent, could go anywhere. And you know what? Could have his really bad days or really good days as well. But this is the type of stuff that will keep me going until training camp, man. Just picturing what they're going to do
5: and discussing and talking about what they're going to do. I think that they're going to be really interesting TV because – there's a lot of unknowns and all we know is that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will be on point, but there's a lot of unknowns because like Juju, the reason why he's not on a long-term deal is because of injuries and inconsistencies. So there's question marks about him. Obviously McCall, we've seen him for three seasons, but we haven't seen him break out. Like a lot of people thought he would, So this is probably going to be his last chance to really do that with the Chiefs. And, you know, then you've got MVS who got signed to that contract that we all were scratching our head about. And he's going to have a chance to show what he can do. And then obviously the new rookie second round pick receiver, Sky Moore. I I think this team's going to be really interesting because of the unknowns, because of all the young players that they brought in. McDuffie, Karloftis, like they have a lot of guys on this team. That we saw and we like rated highly because of their potential. But this team really is going to be a case study for like what's going to happen as far as like transferring potential into actual good play on the field. And I think that's what's going to make them like really captivating television this season. You no, know, it is. It's
4: going to be, it's going to be, every game is going to be looked at. I mean, this is such a good schedule. This is a great schedule. It's going to have storylines that involve Mahomes every single week. Can he get to Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow beat him twice last last year. Can he beat him this year? Justin Herbert, is he ready to shine? Or is his head coach, Brandon Staley, going to hold him back again? Will Josh McDaniels do anything in the with the Raiders because he did nothing in Denver? Russell Wilson, we let it ride in Denver. Or are they going to lose two more to the Chiefs and lose 15 straight?
5: Which is incredibly embarrassing. Dude, if they lose both games Incredibly to the embarrassing. this year, if they lose both games to because you know, like right now, Broncos fans are feeling Brody because they got themselves a nice quarterback. If they lose both games to the Chiefs this year, they can never talk trash again about the Chiefs. 15 straight, this tenure. No. 15
4: straight in this league for a proud franchise. Yeah, what they the Broncos won like what seven straight before the Chiefs streak started, right? I mean, it was, I, right, I, yeah, they, the, the Chiefs struggled to beat Peyton Manning, and the funny thing is, like, we're in their heads so much. That's all they're thinking about is beating the Chiefs. Like I doubt
5: they're circling any games but the two Chiefs games.
4: I'll tell you this. If like the Chiefs are dancing
5: like stare in their yeah, head. That that first game that they play in Denver, if the Broncos were to win that game, that would be a la how when the Bills beat the Chiefs last season and it was their Super Bowl, that would be the Broncos Super Bowl if they won. Like they would seriously considering their their luck since their their last Super Bowl victory. I think that they would celebrate that as much as they would the actual Super Bowl that they won seven years ago. So, yeah, I, that definitely would be huge for that franchise. Well, remember last year the uh, training camps
4: largely started around July twenty seventh. Yes, except the teams that were playing on the first Thursday night got to start a little bit earlier. Remember, right. I was talking to C about this, and I think Peter King mentioned it last year in his Monday morning quarterback. One of them, but I thought it was just a brilliant idea—the midnight madness. Like, think about how popular that is in college basketball. Yeah. If you had Midnight Madness in the NFL, you could sell the shirts. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you think, well, who's going to drive up to training camps at midnight? <laughs> Try this town. <laughs> Kansas Cityans
5: would do it. They would totally
4: it. Do. would look like Field of Dreams. Remember at the end of Field of Dreams where all those, like, that row and row of cars with their yeah. lights on were going to the field? Right, yeah. It would be I-29. <laughs>
5: That would be I 29. There would be a backup on I 29. Just have
4: all night thing, NFL network, live at different training camps. Tell me that just wouldn't be
5: kick ass. Oh, that'd be huge. Like, I'm at the point now. Like, think about it. We've gotten to a point now where the NFL can, like you suggested years ago, the NFL could do a release party. They could do, they could make something out of just releasing the schedule. So if they were to do something like Midnight at the Fog, Absolutely. It would it would it would be attended by a lot of people. The teams would make a lot of money, and it would be a great way to build up a little bit of hype for really something that isn't that mean.
4: It would be the most attendance at any practice at training camp this year if that right. happened. Yeah, absolutely. At midnight. Yeah, absolutely. Those yeah. fans would be up there at seven o'clock firing up the grills.
5: <laughs> yes. It'd be this hazy smog coming down from St. Joe if the, the wind was right. The people of St. Joe, I don't know what the term is. Saint Josephians, I don't know what it is. But or St. Josephites, like the people there, it's they Joe would, Town, brother. They would hate Kansas Cityans for driving all the way up there and clogging no, up the traffic. No, they wouldn't because they spend in. money. Yeah, but still, like late night stuff, they'd be pissed at them for coming in and clogging up traffic like that. Well, they'd that. be there too. Maybe I sure Shorter those, drive. <laughs> maybe some of the people might not be
4: into. that. Oh, they love Chiefs in St. Joe's, especially yeah. those business owners. You kidding me? Oh yeah, they yeah they. It's just they cash love. money. Yeah, they make a lot of money off of us. But I'm serious, man. There's like a, a, a steady stream of cars. Coming up next, Juan Thornhill makes a proclamation today. Do you agree with it or not? Next.
3: This is bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
4: So, contract here this year for Juan Thornhill, Nicole Hardman as well. Juan Thornhill, one of the players talking today, Chris made this proclamation.
6: I got high expectations. It's as simple as that. Like, I'm planning on playing like my best football by far, playing the top of my game, and I'm expecting an all-pro season, and I'm saying that right now.
4: See, I, I have no problem with any player that says, I expect an all-pro season. Matter of fact, I think that's what all people should think, Chris. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Juan Thornhill's expecting an all-pro season. That's great. He should think that. Every player should think that they could have an all-pro season. Unless you're buried on the bench, you know you're not going to be a starter, you're not going to be an all-pro, but I have no problem with someone saying they want to be an all-pro player. My thing with one Thornhill is, he's not a guy I could see the Chiefs giving another contract to. You know, I was telling I was talking to Cedar about this earlier. It's like when you think of players like one Thornhill, I know he listen, he, he he's an NFL starter. There's no question about it. But I can't think of that game where you say that's the one Thornhill game. He was all over the place. Like I would ever remember walking here or doing the post-game show and talking about what a game one Thornhill had. He was a monster. He was a machine. He was all over the place. He didn't have those moments. You know, you want to compare it? Let's compare it to Dan Sorensen. You know, there was two times I had post-game shows. I called the Dan Sorensen game. Because of a pick six that he would have. I don't know if you remember that game in Buffalo about five years ago, Chris. He had like a pick six. He had a sack. He did all say things. He was like, man, he, that was just a Dan Sorensen game. Not saying he's a great player, but he had a great game. It's like with Juan Thornhill, I haven't had that moment yet. You know? I haven't had that moment and said, that's the Juan Thornhill game. Saw from Tyron Matthew quite a bit. You say, well, it was a Tyron Matthew game. But I have not seen that from Juan Thornhill. Like Justin Reed who they bring in in the offseason 60, safety, you could look at it and say there's some Justin Reed games because he's a bumper. He's a hitter, and he knocks people to the ground. You say, oh, you know, it's kind of a Justin Reed game. But with one Thornhill, I get he's got to have that attitude. Hopefully he keeps, keeps that chip on the shoulder because there's money to be handed out there. I think he can get a Justin Reed-style contract with another team if he lives up to that. But as far as contract year things, I think McCole Hardman, and I'll get into it in just a few minutes, McCole Hardman more pressure in a contract year than Juan Thornhill because they bring in Brian Cook, which any time a team goes out and drafts a player, you know your position,
5: you know the writing's on the wall. I don't know. I don't think I agree with that. And here's the reason why. I think Brian Cook very well could just be – we want to have options as far as like expanding their secondary. Cause we know the chiefs love to have safeties that are very versatile and Justin Reed very much kind of fits that role. So I could see them doing something where they have Justin Reed do what Tyron Matthew was doing, where he was playing slot where he was playing essentially a linebacker over the middle of the field and like dime coverage. I could see him doing that. And then you've got cook and you've got Thornhill playing back. I think that Thornhill, as long as he's not trying to go out and get a major big money contract, I could see Thornhill getting resigned by the Chiefs because I, I really do think that the Chiefs look at their situation and they're like, we're really committed to going out here and building our defense. Well, last year, he was in proven
4: mode. He was running with the threes there for a while. Yeah, cause they cause, wanted to get that trust back with him. Yeah,
5: because there was issues. Like he, I don't think he really like physically believed he wasn't 100 healthy. Yeah, he, he, I was, I, he wasn't. He, he wasn't played there.
4: hurt the year before.
5: Yeah, exactly. So like you look at the last two seasons for him, and because of the injury and the mental ramifications of tearing your ACL. And you hear it all the time from players who've done that. It is a big mental barrier to you getting back to what you were doing before that injury. This will be the year that determines whether or not Thornhill is really that guy. And I think if he has a good year, I think he will be back with the team because I I really do feel like the Chiefs value having guys with the kind of talent that they have it, it, with a guy like Thornhill, and Thornhill has shown some flashes. The issue is just that he had Tyron Matthew, who's better than he was, lined up next to him, and then he had two years where he was just kind of trying to get back from his injury both physically and mentally, and this year now will be the time that we get to see that. There, there's just not as much flash. I mean, he played in the 12 games last year. It was only eighth the year before
4: because of the injury, but he had one forced fumble. In one interception.
5: I mean, but like, do you like, you do you need more? Flash? Flash? Yeah, you, do need you need somebody flash? all around like, the ball. Was Justin Reed flash at Houston, or was he just a good safety? Yeah, because I think Justin Reed's the type of guy that you'll come in into work the next day but going, Did you see that freaking hit? Was he, though? Like, I think it was a I good. I think you'll say he that, was a though. Good, but, like, was he that at Houston, though? No, that's my question. Not, do you yeah, think to hear see those that. plays where you're like, Whoa. Was he like, Oh my God, this dude is a freak. You got to sign him? Because it really wasn't that way. When he was a free agent, Oh, and the chief signed him. There are a lot of people questioning whether or not he was a better signing than Tyron Matthew. So I don't think that you can be like, yeah, well, he had the flash that, that Thornhill had. I think very much if you, if he did have that flash, he'd have gotten a better contract than three years, 30. Well, it's, it's the whole
4: thing is because I remember Nick Bolton, Missouri, he was totally the water cooler guy. Yeah. It's like, man, you see Nick Bolton. Oh yeah. A lot He's of people crushing
5: fools. People in chiefs kingdom
4: loved him. Yeah. He's a guy you come in and talk about the next day. Absolutely. Yeah. That's when you make plays. When fans or, you know, us are sitting there talking about the hell of a game you had today. Right. I just don't think that flash is like the... I'm not talking minimum play, qualified making ability. Yeah, get but, that interception, get that fumble, make
5: that, but like you know, he's that a, first he's down a, saving tackle. Juan's a free safety though. He's not, he's not roaming all over the field. Like a strong safety is. So you're not going to get very many opportunities in comparison to a guy like Tyron, who is just all over the place and getting those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, he was in the slot more than he was at safety two years ago. Two Tyron. years. I mean, well, he was Everywhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. He was in prime positions to make plays. That's not something that Juan is in. So if Juan's good at what he does, playing the role that he plays, I don't see a reason why you would use that as a as a detriment to bringing him back. And I know they like three safety looks. And I like look, they look. love three safety looks. That's the reason why Sorensen, even after he got benched in place of Thornhill, was still playing like forty percent of the snaps. Nickel linebacker. You yeah. Know uh, coming up next, I got to
4: get to it because Stephen A. Smith and I talked Tyreek Hill stuff all day yesterday morning, but. Stephen A. Smith just lit into Tyree Kill. And this is the thing, man, about legacies. And when you want to see your legacy start to get tarnished, explain next.
3: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
4: Josh Vernier comes your way at 730. Royals at Giants. Chris Bubich on the mound in that game. So Vern will have you covered. Chris will be here till 4 a.m. So looking forward to that as
5: well. No, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. And if I'm here till 4 a.m., I will be very. Pissed. You just got back from
4: San Diego. So you can take. You're still on probably West Coast time. It is.
5: It's actually kind of tough. The I, seriously, You're still on West Coast time. Seriously, like waking up. at uh, it's. It's been tough for me. Like waking up. Because I always clock into work at 6 a.m. And, uh, yeah, oh. it's been tough for me doing that the last couple of days because uh, it feels like four. To it, me. Body's still in West Coast time, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a tough adjustment.
4: Anyway, I heard uh, Stephen A. say this on Tyree Kill, And love, love Stephen A. or hate Stephen A. I think the Chiefs fans uh, will like him after this. But uh, this one I always hate in sports is when someone gets a legacy and then – Really, you don't get the attention that you probably wanted to or saw. Cause I can see so many things with the pressure of Tyree Kill. The podcast, say we want about that. We've talked a lot about that, but now it's about production. And would I be shocked if week eight, he's throwing his helmet on the sideline and yelling at Tua for <laughs> bouncing the ball off the ground to him again? Would I be shocked about that? No. Cause you got to be careful in life what you wish for. But here was Stephen A, and this was beautiful
7: tested. Let me get this straight <laughs> to a tongue of a lower. You just joined y'all ain't even in preseason yet. So which means the only thing you've done was catch passes from him running routes in, in spring practice at the very least. I mean, that's all that's all you've got to go on and that you're trying to tell me is comparable to the numbers you put up with Patrick Mahomes going to four straight AFC championship games, going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, winning a Super Bowl championship, recognizing the fact that Patrick (coughs) Mahomes is the baddest brother on the planet right now as a quarterback, okay? And you're going to try to tell me a dude that you've never even played a preseason game with is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes? If you are really, really serious about that, I'm sorry. I'm going to say this on national television. Stay off the weed. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know. I ain't trying to accuse Tyreek Hill or anything like that. I'm being facetious. By saying that, I don't want anybody to think that I'm implying that he uses something, but that comment is so asinine, so utterly ridiculous, so beyond the pale that the brother really should be tested immediately if he's serious about that. You have no reason, no reason whatsoever. To sit <clears> up there <throat> and to say something as nonsensical, as ignorant, and as ill-informed as that. And I don't give a dare that you've been in the NFL all of these years. You know good and damn well you can't judge a dude by running routes in practice, okay? And what he does oh,
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours
6: You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
5: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time.
7: For not one, not two, not three, four years. Four straight AFC championship games. Back-to-back Super Bowls. A Super Bowl championship. And you're going to sit up there and say with a straight face that Tua, who hasn't even – and I love Tua because of his years at Alabama, but we haven't really seen what he could do on the NFL level. You're going to sit up there and say more accurate than Patrick Mahomes? That's just flat-out ignorant. It don't make no damn sense.
5: Hmm. It needed to be said. Yeah, it did. <laughs> did you cut that? You're gonna use that all year long well, now until no, somebody just, makes a point on Tyree. It, it was the theme of the podcast. It needed to yeah, be said. That's they, the kept, name, yeah.
4: they kept using it. It was it was corny as hell. It I mean seriously yeah, it was corny as hell, but, that's that that's that Drew Rosenhaus branding right there. And Drew Rosenhaus was kissing his ass so much. Oh man. Cool. dude, I I, I he, with, he would even Tyree Kill would disagree with him that he go, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. As I don't, he was probably he, vacuuming his car.
5: I don't yeah, he was in his car with his kids and his wife in the back seat, which is Dude, you're rich. Like, have a better place than your car. I hate when people do like podcasts. Or have some pride. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate You're a power agent. Yeah, I yeah, I, but like here was my thing is like it very much because like even though they would disagree, like Rosenhaus and whoever that co host is Julian, Julius, whatever his name is, like those guys basically were like speaking for Tyreek the in t- almost the entire time that, I, that 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 they were talking about this whole situation on the podcast and it felt to me like they were kind of like giving his opinions for him or or at least kind of altering his opinions yeah. in a way that made it more controversial and then to me it was like it didn't feel like Tyreek felt that way it felt like he was being led to to feel that way for more controversy.
4: Why is it when I see Drew Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek together, I have this flashback of Jerry Maguire with Rod Tidwell dancing in the kitchen, show me the money?
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, Drew Rosenhaus just looks slimy. That's not a dude. He doesn't look trustworthy
4: at all. <laughs> It just it was just funny because, again, your legacy is built on this. It yeah. could come crumbling down because you didn't even want to uh, To be your
5: quarterback and he's throwing it to him practice. Not a game. That was, and that's like a tough quote because if Tua doesn't play well this year, all of a sudden Tyreek is going to look really bad for saying that he would much rather, and I, 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 he couldn't say that he would want Patrick Mahomes over Tua, not when he just got traded there. You just can't do that. That's that's not especially because his quarterback is soft, and you know he's a little two words. He's a, he's a he's a little insecure about himself. No comment. And I don't like calling people soft, but Tua seems like he's soft to me. You
4: know what the, the thing is? It's like he's shallow. I mean, it's like he's a shell of what he was. Oh, the yeah. kid that I saw as a true freshman coming in at halftime. To beat Georgia and one of the ballsiest moves I've seen head coach do, pull out Jalen Hurts, it was 26-2. and two. And you put in a true freshman that leads you back. That took some stomach, man, yeah. for Tua was, to come well, back and lead. What happened to that great guy? Like, what happened to that guy? He's bragging about a practice throw now. Right, whatever. We come back. McCole <laughs> Hardman also in that contract year had some interesting things to say as well as George Carloftus next.
3: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night.
4: Welcome back to Big and IJ Binkley, Chris Cerro. Josh Vernier comes your way at seven thirty. Gets you ready for the Giants and the Kansas City Royals. Chris Bubich on the uh, on the bump tonight for the Kansas City Royals. Another guy looking to have a big year. And there's several thoughts about McColl Hardman. And I'll always like this type of confidence, Chris.
2: Me. <laughs> on oh, that, is a question.
4: Who's the fastest player on the team is what he was asked.
2: Me. <laughs> I don't think that's the question.
4: MVS ran a 4.37 at the combine. He ran a 4.33. Okay, he's got it. But I'll say this he was asked about how much pressure he's feeling this year.
2: Uh, I don't feel no pressure for real. I just think it's it's one of those things. It's, it's like a next man up kind of mentality. And um, as far as, like pressure wise, I, I really don't feel. It. I think it's just me, you know, having to step up and and, and be a better overall player than I've been in the last past three years. So um um, but I don't feel no pressure. I think it's just more so me taking the initiative to be better than I I have, I have been. So
4: so then, McCole Hardman was asked about the contract year and if he's thinking about it, and. He basically says he's not dwelling on it, Chris, but you can definitely hear that it's in the back of the mind. And I call this Christian Kirk syndrome.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely move around, and it definitely set a market, too. Um, but I think those things right there just, just come over time. I feel like if you think about that too early, I think um, it, it used not pan out for you as well. <laughs> so I think it's just, you know, it's, it's in the back of your head, you know, to try to perform well and, and get that contract. But Overall, you just want to take it one day at a time and just be the best that you can. Then, you know, whatever happens, that'll control itself.
4: He knows the exploding market of wide receivers. It's ridiculous. Eight eight receivers make it over $20 million. And then you see what Christian Kirk got, and you're thinking, that's the biggest comparison you can make to McColl, right? They got that major payday is Christian Kirk. And you know what's on his mind, Chris. You know what's on his mind every day when he practices. You know what's on his mind every day when he works out. This is the money. He's basically got a lottery ticket that he can cash in. You and I can't go buy a lottery ticket. We just got to hope that we get lucky enough where the numbers hit. And chances are they're never going to do it. But he holds that lottery ticket, and he can cash it in with a good year. It's up to him. It is completely up to him to see how much money. He can make life-changing money by having a good year this year with the chiefs. And the bottom line is he, this, this bodes well for the chiefs, whether they have any plans to bring him back or not. I tend to think they don't, but somebody will pay him. He's an NFL starter. He's got four, three, three speed. The NFL loves anybody with four, three, three speed. He's got a ring. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And I feel and of any of the receivers, he's got the biggest chip. I mean, he doesn't act like it, he's not going all diva like Tyreek. But the bottom line is he's forgotten. How many times you see on social media, Chris, people put Chiefs weapons like Pro Football folks or something? They'd have Kelsey. <laughs> every, every,
5: every, week it's like who's stopping this this group of weapons? And it here? would be yes. Tyreek, not Tyreek, but it would be
4: uh Juju, M V S, Kelsey, Sky Moore, Clyde, Sky Moore. No McCall <laughs> Like no McCole Hardman. And he would comment like what
5: about me? What about me? I I like the fact that here's the here's the thing. First off, McCole should not feel pressure because when you feel pressure, especially when you're in McCole's position. A lot of times you don't deliver. You you kind of sink And he it. dropped two passes today. was mad at himself. Didn't oh, yeah. drop any more. So I, I hope that he doesn't feel pressure. I hope he's motivated because of the positives that could come from being great this year. Pressure's not good
4: unless you use it in the right way.
5: Exactly. And I don't feel like he's used it in the right way. Because like he's still a little sensitive you get on you get on twitter and if someone starts talking about his route running he gets pissed at that so i i hope that he's not feeling pressure because i don't think that he, he really does a good job of handling that well i hope though that seeing christian kirk get the kind of money that he did this off season from the jaguars motivates him to go out there and Play his best. I'm really rooting for for McColl this year because I want McColl. Like seriously, if there's anybody on this team right now that is as close to a doppelganger of Tyreek Hill, it's McColl Hardman. And we saw Leighton in the season and in the playoffs. The gadget plays they found we we like roles for him. We saw some juice from him. I want to see more of that. If he could have a damn near thousand yard season, I I think that the Chiefs could get a bargain with him. Like if you could get a guy like. If he had a thousand yard season, you could pay him Christian Kirk money. All of a sudden now that would actually be a really good deal considering how much money these receivers are getting 25 plus million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. If you can get 2021 for him, that'd be really nice. So I I really am rooting for McCall and I I, want to see him go out there and succeed because I think he could really help the chiefs if he has a breakout year. And think about it is with these chiefs wide
4: receivers like Juju on this one year contract and going out, you know, it's going to be like Chris. Like high school recruiting, the D1, where they don't put up big numbers at all, but you know what they can do in the right system without a bunch of talent around them. But it's going to be tough to put up mind-blowing numbers when you got Travis Kelsey, Juju, MBS, Sky Moore. That's a, that's a lot of football's not going to you. But if he makes the best out of what he gets, his opportunity, because the opportunities aren't going to be there, Chris. You can't go out and screw up twice a game or something like that, because it's going to somebody else. But if you make the best of your limited opportunities, which is always tough, you get a ton of opportunities, you're going to put up big numbers because you have the ball a lot. You got a chance to ball. But if you're not getting many opportunities, you better make the best out of the opportunities you get because the ball is gonna be spread around a lot more. It's
5: not like, hey, Michael, you're gonna get 10 targets a game. That's not gonna happen. I think that he has a chance to actually get a lot of targets. If he can show something in practice and with some of those limited touches he gets early on, I think he could. Because here's the thing. Juju's had injury issues last few years. So it's not like he's a reliable option there as a number one. MVS never really broke out when he was in Green Bay playing with another great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So it's not like he's someone that we look at as like a. a those two guys are like this impenetrable wall that... McCole's not going to be able to get around in order to get a lot of targets. And Sky Moore's a rookie. And we know how hard it is for guys to go out there and adjust to Andy Reid's system as a receiver because of the fact that it's, it's it can be pretty complicated. McCole has a, a lot more experience in this offense than all the other guys that he's competing with for touches, aside from like a, a Travis Kelsey. So I really do think that McCole could have an advantage here as we go into training camp. He's the
4: old man in the room. Exactly. He's got the ring. He's, he's been the veteran.
5: Here. He's been here and he's done that. And so because of that, I really do think McColl could take advantage of that and get a lot more touches than what he's seen the last three years. And it really is up to him uh, as to whether or not he's going to go out there and make that happen.
4: He was asked about uh, him wanting to become a more all-around receiver. We we heard there from uh, Juan Thornhill. He wants to have an all-pro year. That's what he said. But, McCole Hardman saying the right things.
2: Just doing everything better from blocking to releases to catching the ball to, you know, getting open. Like, I mean, just everything out of the above. So.
4: Blocking, doing the small things, That that's the stuff you got to do. Because that's the unselfish stuff that stands out. Are you willing to block? Juju's willing to block. It's what makes his value so good. Juju or MDS is willing to block. MVS. MDS and Juju are great blockers. I mean, it's something about those guys. They're not They're that. That's the other thing too, Chris, when you look at this offense, how it's going to be a little bit different. You got wide receivers that want to take your head off.
5: I don't, do you remember that hit Juju put on Vontaze perfect? Oh, that was, that was, that was like one of the most satisfying, uh, uh, you know, hits that I've seen in the NFL in in such a long time. Vontez Burfick had it coming and he got it. Oh, man, that was great. I you love know, that hit. That was a nice rivalry with the Steelers
4: and Beagles, but Vontez had hurt Steelers in the past. Yeah, he heard Antonio and, Brown in the playoffs. And he's a headhunter. And he's one of the toughest guys in the NFL. And Juju laid him out. And that stuff goes a long way, man. Because he's not afraid to stick his hat in there and uh, and get a little dirty. Here was uh, McCole's... Uh, when he was asked about the uh, different style of routes for the receivers and what they may be asked to do different,
2: oh, um, I think I think it's the same offense. Um, I think that you know he gonna coach Reed, you know EB, the coach staff. They gonna really you know call the play that you know best suit each player and, and you know and what suits our ability the best. You know, MVS a long guy. You know he can go up and get the ball. He can take the top off. So you kind of go see some of the routes from him. Juju is a you know a bigger physical receiver. Um, you're going to see a lot of intermediate short game with him. And as for me, you know I'm a deep threat as well. Um, so you're going to see a lot of deep passes from me. And you know some plays to get me the ball fast and you know just work. So I think it's going to be kind of similar thing that we've been doing in the past years. Just you're going to be seeing different guys.
4: And last but not least, for McCole Hardman, this is what I was talking about. He dropped a couple passes in in practice and he was pissed at himself. I'd rather him pissed at himself. Then just be like, no big deal, right? That's no good.
2: Oh, uh, man, I, it just <laughs> its a fast I, I need to catch. I, I dropped two in a row back-to-back. Back, um, and it's just, you know, not being out there for a minute, you know, you kind of want to be perfect when you go, go back out there. And um, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, just frustrate with yourself and knowing I could be better. So um, I definitely could be better than that. But um I actually bounced back and caught everything else. So um, just one of those moments.
4: Juju Smith-Schuster also talked today and was asked what he likes best about this offense and this is another one of those reasons when i talked about the kind of why i'm looking forward to the season so much
6: i think that you know with this offense this year i think we got so many guys who can do so many different things you know it's all around uh we're not you know just hey you go here you go there it's like hey everyone plays every position everyone knows what everyone's doing and uh i think like that right there helps out a lot going into the season
4: So there you go, Juju Smith-Schuster on there. Coming up next, Robert Quinn remains out there, Chris. Didn't show up to mandatory minicamp. Had 18 and a half sacks last year. The guy would be good, but you're going to hear from the guy that the Chiefs are going to be relying more than anybody on the defense from a rookie. His name's George Karloftis. Next.
3: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
4: Welcome back. Josh Vergner comes your way in 10 minutes for the Vern's On Deck show. One thing I didn't get to with Juju was this little nugget, but a no-look pass that he saw when he was standing on the sideline.
6: Bro, I don't know. Today he did the no-look pass, and I was just like, he got me and I was on the sideline. And I guess everybody saw it because I wasn't – I thought I was the only one who saw it, but it got uh, – I think it got our linebacker, Gay, and it, it threw him off, and then everyone was just like, like this thinking he's going outside, but he went inside, and I was just like, wow, you know? Uh, but I, I, I got one of those too in the pro bowl where he threw the ball to me and went through my hands because I didn't expect him to throw, me, throw the rock to me, and uh, he was running out right. I was cutting the field, and he was looking this way down the field, but he threw a bullet straight to me, and I'm running the shallow, and I was like, okay, that's, that's pat for you. You know, that's what I got to expect. I haven't got one yet at this training camp, so uh, we'll see.
4: Yeah, you got to be watching all times. You are still on it to Josh Gordon. But uh, Juju's on the sideline. They got full, too. Juju got full, too. Another thing I'm really looking forward to this year. But George Karloftis talked today. And here's the one thing about uh, Karloftis I really wish that they would make a deal for Quinn. 18 and a half sacks last year is 32. But you talk about a guy that would make an impact because I think that edge rusher position, you look at all the depth. I mean, you think about offense, McKinnon sign. You know, back with the Chiefs, pretty deep, deep running back room, deep wide receiver room, deep safety room, deep corner room. The edge rusher is not. That's why I think George Karloftis has the most pressure of any rookie because they didn't go out and get one in free agency. And at this point, they got George Karloftis and expecting a lot out of him. He talked about the little Zoom meeting him with the Chiefs. And I guess they just it was a long one. They tested him as spags, defensive line coach, everybody testing him. Tested him about and found out how much he likes football.
8: I think that they were, like, trying to test my football knowledge, and I I showed them that I knew what I'm talking about, more or less. I think that's what they were looking for.
4: (laughs) Testing his football knowledge, knows what he's talking about. Hey, let's go draft George Karloftis. Do you remember when uh, Andy Reid was talking about him going 100 miles an hour?
5: Yeah. Oh had, yeah, he, tried, he was talking about trying
4: to slow him down a bit. Yeah, trying to slow him down. George was asked about the slowing down.
8: Uh, you know, they, it wasn't directly towards me. It, you know, it was through through Coach through <laughs> Coach Cullen just saying, "Hey, you know, you got to tone it down." So <laughs> you got to tone it down. I like the
5: fact, like, seriously, like, the Chiefs are really hyping up Carl they, well, they, they generally don't do this with a rookie like that. He so. gets talked about more than McDuffie. Oh, yeah, way which, more. Which you never hear about the second pick from a team talked about more than the first pick. Hell, they're not. I mean, he's... They're not – I mean, Sky doesn't even have this kind of hype built up for him the way that we have for Carl Like the Not teams, even close. Not even anywhere close. And here's the thing. Because the expectations, I don't think exactly. is high on Sky because the other receivers I that think, came in. I think they're – not for this year, no. I, I think overall they're, they're really high, but not not this year, no. Like, Carl it's just amazing to me to see this team – hype him up in a way that I haven't seen a defensive player in D Ford. Wasn't hyped up like this. Breland speaks. Wasn't hy- hyped up like this. Like there is, le- they are legitimately giddy at one arrowhead drive about George Karloftis because I think it's because
4: there's not really anything else, there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. He's got it. He's got to be, I would say they went and got Robert Quinn, right? In the, in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. Then the pressure wouldn't be as much on Karloftis because he's now on a defensive line with the guy that had 18 and a half sacks last year. And oh, by the way, Quinn had 19 back in 2013. He was also asked about: uh, Is he working on new moves in practice?
8: Absolutely. You know, I think that that part of practice, you know, uh, as a D lineman, I'm trying to to find a plan and and what I do. I like my power approach and doing things off of that too. You know, I think I've grown a lot. You know, changed my body a little bit during the pre-draft process, and you know, that's unlocked different things that I can do on the field. So. Just mixing and, and you know molding myself into the pass rusher I want to be, and, and Coach Cullen season me.
4: And This was a guy at his pro day, 23 degrees, running without the shirt on. But he is—he did say some of those changes to his body since then.
8: I lost about 10, 15 pounds during the pre-draft process, and uh, feel really good. Uh, worked a lot on my mobility, my speed, strength too, and just you know became started becoming a pro.
4: And I remember talking to his coach Jeff Brom about that kind of stuff. Like, do you, does he remind you of uh, Max Crosby? Because he does. Me. Can you imagine if he had Max Crosby on one side and Kudalatus on the other? Those two would be maniacs, man. <laughs> if he can be Max Crosby, that would be awesome. Oh, we'll take that because that is the guy that didn't quit.
5: No, no, that He's is a guy relentless. with max
4: effort. He's relentless. Was that a
5: play on words there? Was that a sports pun?
4: No, I didn't. Okay, good. I hate sports puns. I wasn't trying to make a pun. Sometimes I just accidentally say something like puns. But that's a guy with the motor doesn't quit. That even if you knock him down, he's coming right back. Oh, anyway, great stuff by you, Chris Sunocero. Royals and Giants coming up in just a little bit. Josh Vernier joins you next. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night.
3: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.